gentlemen, folks and females, whatever that means, it is me, Cordo. We are here live for another episode of the Sidelines Podcast, a very special episode of the Sidelines Podcast. But before we get into why it's so special, I am joined by my co-host, my mans. Uh, it's AP, Cordo, has things. I'm good, buddy. And now, you know what? We're all about quality on this podcast. And what's more quality than the real Mr. Worldwide himself? Not Pitbull, <laughs> but the other Mr. Worldwide. Joined all the way from the beautiful, sweet land of the Deutsch. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is me. <laughs> this is Jonah, rest of the world. Uh, we'll, ha- we'll have to talk about what your definition of quality is <laughs> at a certain point. Um, <laughs> content, yes. <laughs> quality, I'm debatable. Uh, and and, and I'll, I'm honored to be in the same sense as Pitbull. So, <laughs> like a great start. <laughs> now, look, folks, it is our 50th episode. Straight yes. up. Dale. I mean, yeah. To all the haters, doubt me now. Doubt me now. <laughs> I f- I feel like Conor McGregor, like, I just want to snatch the microphone and be like, I've ridiculed every podcast in the game. I've tormented everybody. And I'd just like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The Sidelines podcast does whatever the hell it wants. Like, <laughs> We're going to start attacking the tour buses of other podcasts, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I've That's already... all we know how to do. Define and uh, abuse and dispute. I already got an envelope, put some white powder in it, and sent it to Joe Rogan <laughs> with a, this may be anthrax written on the inside of the. <laughs> but Jonah, how are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm. I'm doing. I'm doing all right. I, I was was bragging to AP. You know, after living in my apartment for six months, I finally upgraded my my uh, my background for Zoom. So now I'm a I'm a professional. It doesn't look like I'm just in a um, a mental health hospital. So yeah, no, I I mean things are looking up. Things are looking <laughs> up. Now AP, what's been happening with you, bro? Oh, everything, mate. Just preparing at length for yeah. the the big milestone, the number loss. 50th. When we say prepare, that is a loose term. Right up there with quality. Yeah. Quality and preparation. Are, <laughs> these, are, these are equally hazy terms in our universe. Look, I like to think I'm a man who works well uh, the closer I get to the deadline. Uh, and I will maintain I will maintain that forever until the Makes day. Makes mental note to talk to AP's high school teachers. <laughs> yeah, I, don't worry, AP, I'm with you. Jonah, I can't speak for yourself, but I was definitely that dude doing his assignment the night it was due, cramming. Writing the bit, writing the answer as the teacher's like taking the paper away from you and you're like, yeah, yeah. feverishly like, I, I'm still making that last sentence that's now a paragraph. Still on that last sentence, you have to let me finish it. Yeah, pencils down, gentlemen. That includes you, Mr. Hart. Like, that was always me. Was uh, like, technically, it's a pen. I don't have to... You didn't say, yeah. uh, Bic, borrow down. Yeah. Or like, Tony, what was number 17? Just give me the answer, dick. <laughs> Kicking the chair in front of you hard. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, gents. We're 50 episodes in. I remember telling AP back in the day that there was a st- statistic that said that 90-something percent of podcasts pack it in before they even get to episode 20. So we have absolutely bucked the trend. For once, our arrogance was not misplaced, nor misguided, nor unwarranted. I believe the term is elite. 
Yes. Elite. Now, Jonah, this would be your what? Like fourth, fifth, sixth episode? I mean, Podmas was uh was three and the, the <laughs> yeah. we can't we can't forget the one that's lost to the the annals of like the digital black hole. Like my first ever podcast appearance doesn't exist. <laughs> so I so we'll call it four we'll call it that's four and a half. Right. We'll call it four and a half. That's right. We had that amazing episode that due to tech issues, it's it's lost in the ether. <laughs> I, I think it's still booting up on your old PC, Cordo. That's right. I had an old Mac Air that was like 11 years old. The screen didn't work, so it required an external display just to be able to use it. And it decided at the last minute, nah. We'll we'll somehow like recover that file and auction it off later for, for big dollars. Or it'll be key evidence in some sort of court case hearing <laughs> yeah that's actually true maybe i got like all of my true vulgarity out in that lost episode maybe it's better if it just stays lost <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's gonna be some serious blackmail power but anyway as we move in we decide to do something epic because what we do best is we combine sport with pop culture i think that's fair or at least that's what our bio slash fake reviews that we wrote ourselves on the internet Internet. That's how I described it to my mom. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now, AP, I'm going to give you the credit because you came up with this. I'm stealthily giving you the credit because if it totally sinks and doesn't hit the spot, <laughs> everyone knows that it was you that, that took us to this promise. We're talking about it's cause it's going to hit. You're either Moses and you part the sea or you're not Moses and we all drown. You know what I'm saying? Hey, to part the sea, you've got to kill some fish. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, <laughs> so what? Moses oh uh, supplying your local frozen fish section. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're going to do, and AP, tell me if I've got this wrong. We, we've decided to, in honor of what everybody does on a milestone episode is they go back in time. They like to go back. Some people do a greatest hits album. Some people like to pull out the best bits of their episodes, but we're going to go back in time. And we're going to bring to our audience a situation where the three of us are able to regurgitate or bring something to life as if we are experiencing it now, despite having it having already happened. So, for example, if I like, uh, say, comedy movies, I could decide that tomorrow I'm going to watch Old School Uncut and something as simple as like the bro movie or Will Ferrell's career, it never exists. So I am witnessing that kind of A-grade humor for the first time today. Is that correct, AP? Yes. And not just you, obviously the, the encompassing world in this scenario. Yeah. So like what may or may not have happened to the world, how what you're experiencing, how the world might not have panned out the way it was. So a little bit like the butterfly effect. We're bringing the butterfly effect to the podcast. Yeah, oh, that's a way better name. We should have called we're, it that. We're altering the space-time continuum for our own enjoyment. <laughs> yeah, but this time without Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> so this, this would have been the fifth sequel. This would, have, this would have nailed it. But yes, you'd nailed the premise, Cordo. We're going to try... You know, dive down in some different categories, sports, different sports within that, some movies, some televi, some other random ones. The idea is, you know, what would we like to experience for the first time? Yes. So yeah. naturally, I didn't do any prep on this, even though I'm the one who came up with it. 
But AP, I think, because we have a special guest, Mr. Worldwide himself, I think it's your turn. You've got to lead him first. Now let's see what our friend... Take me by the hand. Lead yes. me to gentle waters. <laughs> okay. We're going to start with the, the big cat, which is the first word in our bio, sport. What do you want to experience in the sport word? I will allow some flavors. So a few different sport eye, uh, athletes, teams. But obviously there's going to be a couple or one or two that uh, framed as numero one. Okay. So I've got, I've got two NBA ones. One that was brought up by you, AP, which is a, is, is a true great. But I want to start with one that I think would just light today's internet on fire and to witness it in person where it's like the first thing to happen in modern NBA like this is the first time that Shaq dunked so hard that he broke the backboard and ripped the entire goal to the ground, which is like Herculean mythology. If that didn't exist on videotape, you wouldn't believe that actually happened. Like there's been people in the past that have shattered backboards, but that was before they were fiberglass so now it's it's much more difficult to do. There's breakaway rims. There's different technology to the basket that should have stopped Shaq from doing what he did. But he did something in that moment that was truly unbelievable where it's like no one really even cheered. It sucked the oxygen out of the room where it's just like a shock yeah. and horror. He pulled it down with so much violence that the shot clock at the top of the backboard smacked him on the head. So – just right. like, imagine ripping a, a basket off of its stanchions because you have leapt so hard running with such force and you're such a huge, basically just conglomeration of dark matter and you just attacked the, the backboard with the rage of a thousand suns and ripped it to the ground in another team's grill. This is not just getting dunked on. This is getting – the game had to stop. They had to bring in a new basket. Like, we, like the other team That's had to right. sit on it for 30 minutes and just think like – yeah, Shaq just killed us. And so to think about that happening in today's world, and I'm sitting there and experiencing that for the first time, that's the type of thing where I would get up and just spontaneously start doing push-ups because I don't know how to physically how to physically <laughs> react to seeing something like that. When it originally happened, I was too young and not staying up and watching late-night basketball games. I've got no frame of reference for that. I've only seen old tapes of it. I want to experience it live. And then I want to be there for the internet fallout as Twitter just erupts and explodes and the memes that come out. Can you oh, imagine man. the memes? <laughs> so oh for gosh. me, Shaq's leveling of the rim, whatever, he was still at his athletic peak in Orlando. That's an NBA moment I would love to relive today. So that's to add on to that, so by proxy, would that mean that Shaq – Currently, he's just sort of he's just in the it's league. His rookie year. He's he's basically a hurricane moving through the league. It, it's like <laughs> it's like what Giannis has been doing for the last couple of years, but no one's done it before. It, yeah. it basically yeah, just yeah. being like this physical, like this Zion Williamson meets Giannis like physical hybrid that's just running roughshod through the league, and no one can stop him. Like this is a period where yeah. he led the league in dunks. He's getting more dunks than some other teams are getting dunks because you just can't keep him yeah. away from the rim. And he's as fast as your guards. 
So he's like, he's agile. Yep. He's nimble. He's got a high vertical. He's over seven feet tall. He's around 300 pounds and he's cut. Like no one could touch him. Like there's just nothing you could do with the guy. My other question is by bringing Shaq into the present now, does that mean we also get Shazam? <laughs> and Blue Steel. Now, see, these are the aspects of this I had not thought about. Um, I think you, we're definitely still getting blue chips. We're, de- like, we're that's <laughs> certainly still on the table. We're still getting we're still oh. getting uh, his his character in blue chips. Um, but wow. So I guess like that invites the question like because half of the Shazam soundtrack is his rapping. Like, do, do we still is it Kazam or Shazam? Now you're asking great questions. <laughs> I don't. I just think it's Kazam. Is oh, it is Kazam. Kazam okay. Shazam's the app for music. I was like, did Shaq invent Shazam? <laughs> Maybe in this world he does. <laughs> it's hard to say. And it, it is Kazam. Kazam, where he's the genie. Um, so. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I think you probably still get that. That movie's just a lot like it's it's darker because everyone thinks you can't make like a lighthearted fun movie now. It's got to have some kind of gritty dark bend. So, yeah. No, I'll allow it. I think you've encompassed everything. <laughs> it has so much potential. Like, and to go back on your point, Jonah, like the game, you're right. The game was delayed for hours. So that tells me a bunch of things. It tells me the league wasn't even prepared for it. So it's different to like, there's a fire in your office. Oh, we've got fire extinguishers over there. We're prepared for this. Because yeah, you know what fire is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We did know what this was. And it was the 90s. Not like in, was it like the 50s? When did Dr. Naismith invent basketball? Oh, in like, it wasn't like 1890-something or ni- early 1900s. Yeah, and it was like apple baskets or peach baskets, right? Well, that he like hung up or stuck he, up on some like rafters in like a gymnasium. He didn't even invent the dribble. Someone else came up with that to yeah. get around his rules. It was basically like ultimate Frisbee, but like you, you <laughs> couldn't move more than two steps after catching the ball. So like... Um, then it was yeah. more like netball almost in a way, but, um, yeah, but like, yeah, no, like it, it, it never in his wildest dreams. Did he imagine that there'd be people like Shaq playing yeah. a sport and like, but, it, but it's like, you know, it's not like he's ripping like a cheap basket down off the wall. No. He's ripping like metal steel machine grade material produced in a factory for the explicit purpose of not being destroyed. Could All you... while being in Kazam and also being a member of the Foo Schnickens hip hop group. So, what's up, Doc? Can we rock? Could you also, like, in terms of the social media, could you just imagine a stadium of all the inst- Instagram livers, like, posing with themselves and they're just like, we've been in the stadium for 20 minutes. Shaq broke the backboard. <laughs> what? what it, like, I'm going to be late for my thingy later, but Shaq broke the backboard. Like, there'd be hundreds and hundreds of just. Like videos from different spots. No, I don't know what to do. Instagram would probably stop. You'd be, you'd be on it. Like, what happened? Why isn't it working? Is it my phone? And then someone would report the post for violence, and it'd get <laughs> taken down. <laughs> violate Instagram's community standards. Can you can you imagine like the recut highlight tapes of just him rapping? Like like one of um one of my favorite uh, Shaq raps is I forget what the point is, but it's like a Kobe diss track after the Lakers broke up. 
it, where where <laughs> in in lyrical form he 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 lets Kobe know that he can eat his ass, and <laughs> which now given how other things have happened really doesn't reflect well. But could you imagine? that dunk being played with that like with that rap in the background so it, this would have like re this would have redefined how how people talk about savage like ripping a gold down from its stanchion yeah, yeah, yeah. that's i mean that's next level and if that happened in today's yeah. world it would it would be even more seismic than it back then and i would love to live that yeah respect all right ap you invented this game how about you my man I've got a couple. I haven't really settled on any of them, which is not surprising. But one I thought of, and you're gonna have to, I'm gonna have to take you on the educational ride. I was actually thinking John McEnroe. <laughs> oh, and so you're like, so you mean like McEnroe, where no other tennis player yeah, has been? Yeah. Angry. So, so this this isn't like John McEnroe now. And we're, and we're used to like Kyrgios and all these flogs who are going at it. This is like up until this point where tennis tennis is played a certain way. Yeah. And this is how it is. And, you know, that's the rule. And suddenly, like right now, John McEnroe is just blowing up. He's yelling like, people are like, he can't do it. it just bang. No, you cannot be like, I think it'd be awesome. Yeah. Like at the time, because it would have been crazy. But just to see that kind of sport altering character at a time. Like I think there is that same vein to Shaq where at the time it's just it's just something that it's not not how the thing should be done. This yeah. is not the way. And I've gone down that path as opposed to just you know, seeing the elite guys, like there's all, at some point there's always going to be some other guy who's just a better talent and you see him for the first time. But it's such like a obscure moment in like tennis framework that this guy is just a loose cannon. I'm all for it. That yeah. Yeah, that like, you know what that is? If that happened in today where tennis had only ever been played by like polite, gentle ladies and polite, gentle men in all white clothing, that would be the closest we could get to Happy Gilmore in the real world. Yes. Like, but the scene in Happy Gilmore where he's punched the drive to the green, but then he misses the putt, you know, and he swears for like 37 minutes straight. <laughs> and, and they're like arguing in the office and they can hear the broadcast in the background. It's just, fuck this, fuck this. And that's key because that would be us. There's, there's really only a couple sports where that type of tirade is even really possible because, like, the flow of the. Yeah. It, so it has to be an individual sport and it has to be a sport where there's really no clock. Be, uh, or like any kind of yeah. mechanism to force the game forward. Like the ref just has to sit there until you acquiesce to play again. Like you can just yes. let them have it for as long as you need to. So yeah, you could also picture it like like you said, just going after a rules official in a in a in golf too. But like McEnroe doing that in today's world, I I can't even imagine. Like the way people lost it at Serena, what, was it just like last year? What, what, like, yeah, yeah. He was way worse. <laughs> like, can you imagine people, like, yeah. like, people being like, "Yeah, no, the next like ten minutes is just him like dropping f bombs on the linesman." Like, and his is always like real dark personal stuff. Like we laugh about it now, but then when you hear clips, it's very like deep seated sort of like everything about your life is shit. <laughs> like, you know, like... He's cutting deep. Yeah. 
Like, he's not angry at himself. It's not like, oh, John, you suck. It's like at the referee walking towards him. So he'd get fined and banned from the tour if he did that now. It's menacing. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but he'd, be, but he'd be getting the kids into the game. They'd be loving it. Tennis would be back. <laughs> I, are, are, you, are you basically pitching McEnroe 2.0 as a savior of tennis? <laughs> yes. I, I, I'm not informed enough to tell you no. <laughs> I'm inclined to believe you. I'm, I'm not informed enough to say it's a yes. <laughs> it's again, Happy Gilmore. For AP, all roads lead to a violent, like, at any second, the gasket could blow athlete. That's what he wants. He wants popcorn athlete. I, I'm loving the idea of, like, some kind of, like, runaway, uh, like, pro tennis tour that's just, like, courting wrestling fans, basically, through, like, through <laughs> yeah, McEnroe's behavior. Yeah. Yeah, someone, someone at the ATP was like, uh, "WWE's ratings are sinking. Now is our time to strike." <laughs> There's a market here. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that was my main one. I'm going to do two quick ones because I know this is, and in our prep work, we did mention this one. All right, uh, Mike Tyson. Now, mm-hmm. purely because boxing's a little bit all over the joint, so he could be the savior. Yeah. But also, I just think when Mike Tyson came on the scene, diff- obviously different to Ali, he was just a different specimen physically and mentally. Just yep. was really, the dude's short, but just thick and just, he's scary. He's just actually just a scary he's, motherfucker. That's he's a bold, he's a Mike bulldog. Tyson. Like the, the idea yeah. of like, he, I think that's the thing that was always, it wasn't just his power it was that he also had a screw loose that there was like there was something yeah. kind of unhinged about him that he wasn't yep. operating in the same kind of rational world as anybody else so he it made him unpredictable <laughs> in a fight scenario you didn't you knew what was coming but you didn't because you like where other people yeah. have breaks he had none and so like if you insert that in today's boxing where it's really become about kind of footwork defensive planning and he's the type of guy that's just like i just need to connect on one of these that brings like an excitement element to boxing that i don't think is there right now absolutely spot on and that fear like dude's just scared yeah he like that you're right like in terms of the fear because it was that whole like mike had a tough life he's from the streets but equally if they said mike grew up near chernobyl in the ukraine (laughs) i would have been like yep that explains it (laughs) that checks out (laughs) Yeah. Anything that involves trauma and or adverse like environmental factors and I could believe that he grew up. We've there. seen enough Marvel movies at this point. Like it's kinda like that episode of Family yeah. Guy where Mayor West like is just trying to roll around in the sewage to gain superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could I could see that also for Mike Tyson. Like Chernobyl Mike Tyson. Can can that be where he's coming from? Can that be his origin story in like the the new Mike Tyson that's happening in modern day? Yeah. Oh, he's there's something about him. Like he's, I mean, he's Zion Williamson in a waffle press. So he's the same shape, but like put into a waffle press. So he's five foot, whatever. But then someone injected Doberman DNA into him when he was a kid. Cause Zion's got that like cute baby face. Mike's got a face where you're like, he's seen things. And then he's tattooed. And he's got that Doberman vibe. Yeah, exactly. He's got that Doberman vibe where it's like, I know it will protect me, but equally I'm looking at you in my house. 
I'm really afraid to be here alone with you with the lights off. I somehow also feel like that if, if Mike Tyson sort of existed now and he, for whatever reason, had focused on UFC as opposed to his boxing, he would be he, like he like the SAS would just follow me around all the time because they'd be like, dude, you aren't allowed to exist in a physical realm with other people because you yeah, will kill well, them. Like you yeah. actually well, like like not just knock out a dude in a fight. Well, what are the what are the the gloves in UFC four ounce? Yeah, the light as. I mean, if he connected, he it, like, yeah, if if he was to the point where he could sprawl and not be taken down and just stay on his feet, there, I I would have a hard time seeing anyone beat him. Yeah, because and it's like you watch Francis Ngannou, the heavyweight champ at the moment from the Cameroon, and he has that famous knockout of Alistair Overeem, who is like a god in UFC sort of folklore. And when he lands this monstrous uppercut and Overeem, you can basically see where Overeem's whole head is, it's actually trying to leave into a different zip code. It's been hit that hard. The rest of his body is fighting like, hard to keep the head. Yeah. Yeah. Like the skin is earning its paycheck, <laughs> keeping everything still yeah. there. But, like, even Francis, you know, he's this, like, sweet, lovely guy. So, you're like, no matter how strong he is, I know you don't hit as hard as, like, late 80s my kids. Yeah. I would love to see that kind of just force unleashed in in a modern day, like, uh, fighting sports, combat sports. And imagine if he had a man's voice, too, not, like, a six-year-old child's voice. Can we, can we keep that, the voice? That, Let's that, keep that, the voice. No, that but that adds to the the scariness of the dude. You reckon? Yes, because <laughs> well, it's kind of like how Saw is like scary. Saw is partly scary because it's like a doll. It's a weird package. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Because you, like, I don't know whether to not take him serious, but I just saw him kill a guy, and now I don't know where we're at. I always got this vibe that like God was like sitting there in the lab and they're like, oh, look at this. I'm like, oh, shit. It's not a way. It's too scary. Uh, what can we do? What can we do? Give it a, give it a kid's voice. It, that way it, it can like function in society. Again, if you give that man the genuine normal voice, he is in a situation where he just walks around killing people. But, like just, just flatly just like talking to them and they die. Do you want to live in a world though where we don't have sound clips of him going, I'm going to eat your children. Oh, I mean, that interview is the greatest. You've, I've never heard a man change religion in, in an interview. <laughs> Remember by the end, he's just going, Assalamualaikum. Like, he's just sprouting up all this shit. And they're like, what? And then you can see the most famous part about that interview is his trainers in the back doing the hip hop video guy. Like, yeah, yeah. And then by the end, he's, yeah. And then by the end, his eyes are wide open and he's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, Mike. You can't tell that guy you're going to eat his kids. <laughs> yeah. I want to eat his heart. I'm ferocious. <laughs> Julius Caesar is the conqueror. No, I'm the conqueror. It's like, oh, okay, Mike. <laughs> I'm all for it. There is that famous YouTube clip and it's like a few minutes long and it's just the like best of Mike Tyson in TV interviews and it is unbelievable viewing right up there with ultimate warrior interviews yeah the one where he's on like espn and the guy and he says something he's like it's a fight so fuck it <laughs> and then the guy's like you can't swear mike i can't fucking swear and he's like you can't mike so what fuck off <laughs> and then he just like gets up and leaves 
<laughs> and he's had to promote his own fight. Love it. Cordo, <laughs> oh. what do you got? It's your one. Well, I'm going to, like, I've got two as well, but we'll go back to Jonah's after mine because, Jonah, you had two, didn't you? I did. I'm going to go something a little bit different because I was thinking, like, if I was sitting in an audience and I saw something sport-wise that would have tipped, like, my brain into the, another stratosphere, it would be Usain Bolt at the 08 Beijing Olympics when he won his first. Or was it Athens in 04? I can't remember. I think it was... Beijing 08 when he won his first I think, title, I think so. Olympic medal. When he was so fast, he was already celebrating winning 20 metres before he finished in, in a 100 metre race. race. <laughs> he's already looking at the crowd sideways, fist pumping, and he's still running and he still broke the world record. So I'm watching that when I've only ever seen like those races where they kind of get there and there's like four or five people and it's a photo finish. I'd never seen that in a 100-meter sprint where someone just destroys everyone and none of it makes any sense. How did it go that fast? How was he already celebrating? And why does everyone here look like the work experience kids compared to him? These are great questions. I don't think we've ever figured yeah. it out. <laughs> And then equally, like, I could sort of stay at the Olympics and then I'm watching him in the 200 where, again, he made it seem like everybody else was had to wear, like, a 10-kilo lead weight backpack <laughs> as a handicap. And then the relay when the Jamaicans just murdered everybody in the relay. And then there's nothing better than, like, the Jamaican guys winning a relay and their epic celebrations and poses after they win the relay. <laughs> So that whole thing for me would have, I would have sat there as a underwhelming Caucasian athlete that cannot <laughs> run that fast. And it would have just been, that would have blown my mind. Quickly, before moving away from the imagery of like how the Jamaican team celebrates the, the relay wins, which is, is just so much fun and tremendous. And then juxtapose that to how the US swimming relay team celebrates whenever they win something. <laughs> <laughs> these, these are very different sports and very different groups of people <laughs> but also off the back of that it's the person that wrote Cool Runnings the greatest fortune teller in history because Cool Runnings came out in the early 90s and the Jamaicans were not destroying the sprint mm -hmm. but Cool Runnings made it seem like Jamaica just had this bulk stash of 100 meter sprinters just waiting to dominate Look what happened. Are you saying that perhaps the advent of Jamaican sprinters is a reaction to Cool Runnings? I'm is that the butterfly it, effect? I'm just putting oh, cool it out runnings? there. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> so you're just connected dots. Here. Admittedly, I have no idea what little Johnny and Sarah in Kingston had at their video rental store in the 90s, but I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> I mean, I think if if that if that race happens happens today, which and I mean, and that's yeah. the thing, it very well could because his speed is still at that level. It's not like the sport has progressed beyond what he was running in '08, not at all. Yeah, I mean, that's that's why it was so amazing, right? He destroyed the world record. He didn't just nick it. Right. I mean, I think I was I was catching um I was just catching a Olympic qualifier. Uh, like last week because there was an NFL athlete that was uh, DK Metcalf was trying to qualify for the 100, uh, 100 meter US team 
and they were talking about like, hey, you know, he really did well for himself. He kept it within, you know, a few tenths of a second of like the main finishers. And he finished kind of like towards the back of the pack, but you know, he was right in the heat of it. And then you think about like, okay, so the very best in that scenario was only, I don't know, a tenth or two tenths of a second faster than the worst in that scenario. And then you just amplify like a whole half second on top of that. And that's where Usain Bolt is. Mm. It's just, it's a whole nother league. When you think about celebrating with a fifth of the race to go. Yeah. And still winning comfortably. Yeah. And breaking the world record. Like that it didn't imagine. I always sit there and go, imagine if he didn't celebrate in that race, how it's, fast could he have gone? It is kind of more disappointing that he didn't like, it had such a cool factor to it, but you feel like him just actually having a crack to just like, smash actually it, just it. like smack, like just, just an unforeseen, like he nearly gets to nine, you know, like whatever, you know, just yeah. this number that everyone's just like, you know, they've got to stop. Cause they're like, you know, looking at the stopwatch and they're like, did you, did you get that? Did I stuff that up? Did we all stuff that up? And everyone's like, no, no, that shit happened. That's just what he was clocking, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's one of my ones. I'm just going way off the deep end with that. but No, I like it. I, that was one of those where I would like to just experience it again because of the the awe, the awe factor. Yeah. Um, just to, to see and be like, that, myself and that person are the same species, but no, we aren't. <laughs> like, like, to see him move it yeah. like, at that level, that's, it was just next you know, to a, to a whole other plane of performance that, you know, I can't even dream about, you know, no one even thought that that type of domination was possible at the Olympics at the highest level. And then for him to run it back four years later and win the 100 and 200 (laughs) again. Yeah. And that's it. Like, it's the only sporting thing that I remember watching with a group of friends where instead of either going like, no, or yes, everyone went, "Whoa." whoa. Everyone just quietly sat in their chair and was like, what? Something that just kind of like takes you by the shoulders and shakes you and like commands your respect to see something like that again in person. I mean, I I think that's why we tune into the Olympics every time it comes around. Like we're hoping to see something like that. That's exactly. Yeah. yeah, You're spot on. We're hoping to see this little glimpse of magic. All right, Jonah, what was your second one, bro? Uh, so my second one has absolutely nothing to do with respect. It has everything to do with disrespect. Um, <laughs> great seg, great yeah, segue. Yeah, yeah. Just to, to move along away from this kind of like warm, fuzzy territory we were getting into. Um, so uh, Peds was, was mentioning in our prep doc that maybe it would make sense to talk about one of my heroes and legends from the great state of Indiana. Um, Indiana Pacers great Reggie Miller in the beginning part of his prime and people forget i think uh because obviously the comparisons between him and michael jordan were never fair to either one of the people in that conversation but that was based on young reggie miller who like basically just after he shaved off his his flat top fade which was glorious go back and look that up um (laughs) he was like a mid 20 point per game scorer at a time in the nba where you're not really getting you know, these insane, like Bradley Beal numbers of people averaging like 34, 35 points. Jordan was really the only one doing that. Um, Yeah. So Reggie Miller is like right underneath that. It is a little bit younger. And so people are saying Eastern Conference, Indiana, Illinois, right beside each other. Is that going to be a rivalry? And so in the midst of this hype around Reggie and are the Pacers going to be a thing, they're always butting up against the Bulls. 
lo and behold, they run into the New York Knicks in the Eastern Conference semifinals. And so begins the rivalry between Reggie Miller and not a Knicks player, but a Knicks fan, <laughs> legendary director Spike Lee. And so yeah. what I want to be in the house for is in Madison Square Garden where Reggie Miller, representing the rural farming state of Indiana, walks into the <laughs> mecca of basketball, which in a way is contentious because Indiana likes to think of themselves as kind of like the home and heart of basketball. But he goes into New York in the big city and just ceremoniously rips the heart out of the Knicks team and stomps on it and dances around on it in Spike Lee's face and mocks him, makes fun of him, antagonizes a fan. They're standing, one's on the playing field, one's just off of it, in each other's face, screaming at each other. And Reggie Miller scores eight points in the final six seconds of the game to win it. Comes down the court, knocks down a three, bang. Steals the inbound pass, knocks down a second three, bang. Steals the next inbound pass, gets fouled, knocks down both free throws, game over. Looks at Spike Lee, takes both of his own hands, puts him around his neck, and makes the choking symbol right in Spike Lee's face. Yeah. So what I mentioned earlier about Shaq setting the internet on fire, this would have exploded it. Like, this would have redefined, yeah. like, all kinds yeah. of, like, that level of sporting disrespect that's really caught fire within our generation and the zoomers that type of thing where it's like you know people holding up nerf goals behind somebody else and people getting dunked on and work and stuff like that this takes that this is just <laughs> times a million and i can only imagine that would be the only thing we'd be talking about in the sports conversation for the next week period yeah and yep. as a person who, you know, as an Indiana, generally an Indiana sports fan, I don't get a lot to celebrate. I'd take that. <laughs> I'd take that and run. And so just like, you know, all of this kind of like weird rural versus urban undercurrents um, in terms of like, you know, Indiana and then like New York, the big city, Reggie Miller just being kind of like our hero. And then just the, the choking symbol to, to Spike Lee is just next level. Yeah. There's also like, the whole the fan player interaction in NBA, I think, would be chat like because now it's like it's a weird interaction. It's all like, yeah, you're all cool to talk, but you're not allowed to talk. Like it's very obscure. But that was kind of the start of it. Yeah, in that way, it compares to like what you were talking about with McEnroe. Like before McEnroe, that's not really a thing. Like now, you get all these people that are trying to like you know call LeBron a bitch like during games and stuff like that. Like that wasn't <laughs> happening back then. Like you're right. Whenever Reggie is having this kind of like interaction with Spike, this is unheard of. Unheard of. Yeah, that yeah. shit doesn't happen. Yeah, that's spot on. And that's like, I mean, AP and I's episode a few weeks back where it was all about big dick energy. That's big dick oh, energy absolutely. taking on not just the city of New York, the state of New York. Oh, it, like, the game is still happening. The, 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 the fact that this is on the road is crucial. This is when Reggie Miller really yeah. cements like a, I am a villain and I love it. It's a thing I actually always yeah. liked about Reggie that a lot of other people don't is that yeah, he's that guy where if he's not on your team, you probably hate him. But I don't have to worry about that because he is on my team. <laughs> yeah. And I just – all of his antics – like he was a quintessential heel. Like was was the original flop lord. All of that it like starts with, yep. with Reggie. And 
I'm all about it. Like he was my guy. I loved him as a kid. The, he's the Vince McMahon of basketball. I'll give it to him. Absolutely. Ultimate heel influence critical moments and always yank the heart out of the audience for what they were cheering for. Absolutely. And and then, you know, think about it for me as well. So Reggie Miller, he was one of the first players in the NBA to really have the central part of his game be the three. And like that was his primary yeah. weapon. Yeah. And, you know, me as a very ground bound white man, that was the only way I could influence <laughs> a game. And so like, you know, I felt like we had some kindred spirits going on. Ground bound. <laughs> I've got to remember that term. Just some of us, it's for hops. For the rest of us, it's because this thing called gravity. <laughs> and when you carry a little extra of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I had some extra. I was carrying some extra pounds. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what? AP. What was now? You, now you've got your second. I've got. I've got some. I I would just say I have some quick fire honorable mentions. Okay. So you do your second one. Well, I'll do mine quickly because it's mine's basketball heavy too. But I think that's where where those kids that grew up where basketball was magical, like basketball captivated our like our eyes and our minds. But I'm flipping mine. I do a quick one and then do a slightly longer one because you understand my logic. So basketball, I'm sitting at the Aaron Gordon. Zach Levine dunk contest. Yep. But dunk contests haven't been a thing before in the NBA. Okay. Okay, I'll allow the narrative. So the NBA went, you know, we need to spice up All-Star Weekend. What can we do? Why don't we have like a dunk contest where players have to go head-to-head and the best dunks get points? So yes, I'll admit it's a massive Michael Jordan like fan club boner rider. I mean, I'm putting aside MJ's legacy in terms of that space, mm-hmm. but I'm watching Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine go head to head in that dunk contest. And that is sending me into the stratosphere of my face hurts. I had to go to the dentist the next day because my jaw was just ache city from just having it dropped over and over again. And I think that's, that's fair. And the one for that, like the element there is the fact that both of them were bringing it, the, the, I, the, the, yeah. the competition aspect of it. Cause I think historically we'd probably say the single greatest dunk contest performance is Vince, uh, Vince Carter and yeah. his, but he wasn't, there was no back and forth. Like he was alone in that, in that contest. Yeah. Whereas like the Levine and Eric Gordon, like the one upsmanship that was happening at a, at such a peak level, that, that was really yeah. what elevated that one to be more entertaining and, and, and more impactful to see. Yeah. Yeah, great. Love the call. Yeah. So that's where I was at. Now, my longer one, I might hang on to that because I feel like that could come up a bit later. Okay. So I'll sit on that one. I'll sit on that one. <laughs> honorable mentions. All right, do you want some quick, yeah. yes. quick fire honorable mentions? I felt like because I've been watching Drive to Survive, I needed an F1 and I couldn't decide which. But I kind of thought Sienna, like if Sienna was now, like I feel like that would be kind of really like just an F1 driver who's actually just willing to pretty much throw it all. Yeah. So Etten's just like next level dangerous. Yeah. And also, also you've got epic. the cars, you know, the whole, you know, I'll premise that the F1's a bit more tidier and you know it's not like just a mclaren uh, mercedes show and everyone's a bit better like the the field's better because the cars aren't all stupid um 
like everyone's in the same kind of levelish pecking like back in the day. Um, so there's that one or Schumacher. I couldn't really decide because um, I just thought it was kind of cool. Like because it's kind of it was kind of a big deal at the time, uh, but not that massive. And my last quick honourable mention because golf's kind of boring to watch. I did think like the Tiger chip in um, and that Masters um, when he's doing stuff. But again, I really like the the tones of the the bigger cultural big changes. Yeah. My my quick my quick honourable mention would be. Um, every single Patriots playoff loss. <laughs> I, what I give the to relive is so good. <laughs> what I live to just bask in my own spite and pettiness in every single time that they lost in the playoffs. I'll I'll take those. <laughs> Cordo, what do you got? Honorable mentions. Yep. Uh I, I had a few random ones chucked in there. Oh, um, Zinedine Zidane doing... I'm the one of the greatest soccer players of all time, but here's how I destroy my legacy and highlight reel. With the single, like, doggest slash... I've never seen that before in anything act in sports history. Wild. To just... Someone says something about your mum and you headbutt them in the middle of the World Cup final. That was awesome. And make no apologies. To this make day, none. no regrets. Last international yeah. match he ever played in his career. Or maybe last professional. Did he even play professionally after that? Nah, I think that I was it. I think he did. I think he was like, done. That was that his walk-off. World game. Cup final, getting a, a straight red card for just headbutting a dude right in the sternum. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> Who made some comment about his mom. <laughs> like, ultimate schoolyard chip. And you went for It'd it. Just be like, I regret nothing. Yeah. We lost that World Cup probably because we played a man down the entire time. Yeah. Tarnished my legacy, but nope, that would make the same decision today. <laughs> and then my, my other one, it's super niche. You have to be a hockey fan to know this one, but I challenge you to like look it up and not be moved by it. I've been a Colorado Avalanche ice hockey fan since I was a kid, and there's this famous Boston Bruins player, Ray Bork, who was so epic for like 20 years, never won a cup. It'd be like Jordan not getting a cup in his whole career, like not getting a chip. And he goes to Colorado Avalanche for his last season because they were doing well. It was like a can we get him a ring moment. He's chasing a little bit. Well, but it was like pre I'm chasing a ring days. So it was like he was upset at being traded. Like he was so guilt ridden for leaving Boston. And he could still play, right? Like it wasn't like he was washed up. Yeah, he was still handy. He could still play, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he did retire that season. So it was his last season and it was just this, like, he was distressed at having to leave. He loved it. So that was back when the player owned where they were playing. Like, no, we haven't won. We're going to win. I'm bringing us a cup. He couldn't get it done. Goes to Colorado game seven against New Jersey devils. They win the Stanley cup. Joe Sackage, Colorado's beautiful soul, like legendary captain. As you would know, you win the Stanley cup the commissioner hands it to you and the captain's there alone and he lifts the cup up and he skates around holding it. Joe Sakic takes the cup and before he lifts it, he hands it straight to Ray Bork and Ray Bork lifts it up and he's already in tears. It's one of the best, like, best sporting moments. Sitting there in that arena, I would have been a mess. I'm a softie at the best of times. I would have been very distraught. Just going, it's so beautiful. Even if it's it wasn't so even if it wasn't your squad, I get the impression that you would have been balling. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I would, I would, I would have teared up. Oh, yeah. I would be like, hey, you people tell me that this game is for animals. <laughs> animals don't show <laughs> that kind of compassion. I, I'm also not proud of the capacity of sports to make me cry, even when I'm like in no way invested in the situation. Like if I've just been listening to yeah. Jim Nance describe like a golfer's journey for too long, I'll cry. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that, they're my, they're my two. All right, I think we're going to go into part two of this. We're going yes. into a bit more pop culture. So I want some movies. Oh, Same God. premise. Movies for the first time. We're going to have to get a bit ad hoc on this because obviously some movies, you know, create some other legacies and whatnot. But here we are. We can make the rules because that's what we always do, sort of do. Okay. So I've got a couple here. I'm probably not going to go in as depth as the other ones because we don't have all the brevity. But Cordo, do you want to start this one off? Movies seeing for the first time? Yep. All right. I've got to curate the world slightly so it all makes... It has most, like maximum impact. I'm watching The Matrix for the first time and I've never really seen sci-fi movies and the internet's not a thing yet. Oh. All right. So I know the internet's coming, which is kind of when I first saw The Matrix. So I remember seeing it, but being too young to appreciate just how spot on the whole internet element of The like, Matrix like the, was. The, kind of like the tech aspect of, yeah. Yeah. So I'm watching The Matrix for the first time, and I'm genuinely now as an adult, not as a like 12-year-old kid going, are we living in a simulation? <laughs> And just to watch, like, the QAnon people would then shift their focus to the Matrix. So I've got a, a movement of whack jobs that are fully invested in trying to convince the world that the Matrix is a real thing. I also feel like that was that era where... Because I... I think I was too young. I didn't get to see the Matrix at the cinemas, but I got it shortly after on VHS. Mm -hmm. There yeah. we go. Mm -hmm. Throwbacks. But I... I didn't even see it, and I remember hearing it reverberate. Like it was just like, "Have you seen the Matrix?" Oh, you watch, oh, jeez, like, like movies like that aren't like that culturally. If you haven't seen it, you don't have to talk about. It, but geez, you got to see it so we can talk about it. Yeah, and it, it upped the game, and it's longer. It, it's a it's a movie that it's a couple hours long. Like you you got to buckle in. Yeah. And when we were kids, you know, that's like a task to sit down and watch a movie for that long. But I remember also VHSing it and the friend that was showing it to me saying like, hey, you know, we got nothing else going on. If you need to just, you know, we could just rewind it and watch it again if, if need be. He's like, this movie's kind of heavy. So like if you're not catching everything right at first, we could just watch it again. And as a kid, I was like, ah, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Yeah. It had so many layers to it. It was so amazing. And it was shot in Sydney, like random shit like that. And when you rewatch it now, I'm yeah. like, holy shit, it's Sydney CBD. Like, why? Fox Studios Australia, baby. Why? Um, it just was. <laughs> just was. All, all three of them were. Yeah, because I think it was one of those random ones, a little bit like Star Wars, where weird shit happened in the background to get them up over the line. Okay. Like, it, same as like Keanu agreeing to not take a fee and to just take a cut of profits. Like Keanu being smart enough to go, I think there's something in this. And I think I could be wrong on this as well, but I, wasn't there some kind of like weird thing where there was some kind of trade-off between the Matrix franchise and iRobot? 
Oh, maybe. I want to say something like iRobot has like the original Matrix ending. Uh, or something something like that. I'm I'm not positive on this and I could be just completely fabricating this memory, but <laughs> this could equally be something that like a loud kid in high school told you at a house party. Of course oh yeah, like rips a joint and tells me, Hey man, you know about that uh uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Matrix man it was like iRobot, I'm telling you. Yeah, Trinity was originally Will Smith. <laughs> but he was you know, like <laughs> I want to say I did. Yeah. I, that, well, we're just going to throw out more things. I feel like I heard that Will Smith was the original choice for Neo. That's true. Yeah. Actually, that might be spot on. I could see that happening. Will Smith would have been a good Neo. He was like peak men in black fame then. But I think he like, didn't it like something he like turned it down to take the money for like Wild Wild West. Could that be true? Yeah. <gasps> oh, I think you're on the money. It's like when a history's great, <laughs> what, what were you thinking? <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. Excuse yeah. me, I have to go take thirty million to make this piece of garbage. Yeah. To be fair, though, if someone came to you and said, "Here's twenty million dollars. We want you to ride on a giant mechanical spider in a western." I'm in. I I dare you to say no. I would also Cisco's also Cisco's going to be in it. <laughs> what? Yeah. All right, I'm in. I was that would have had me right there. Do you know the guy that did Thong Song? He signed on to do the theme. I'm in. As I'm, I don't care what the plot is. As I'm signing the contract, I just laugh. Ha ha, suckers! I would have done it for half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's that's my that's my movie one because I remember how much it rattled me then. So I can only imagine what it would be like if it rattled me now, where I'm able to appreciate all the layers of complexity to it. All right, Jonah, how about you, my man? Who movie I'd like to see now? Um. I've been talking about 90s basketball. Let's just stay with it. Um, if white men can't jump, <laughs> if white men can't yeah, jump, yeah. like that's a movie I would love to experience now for the first time because it's just fun. It's got like a lot of the buddy cop elements, but not being a buddy cop film. The fashion's yeah. incredible. And like we're also in a period now where that fashion's kind of like back. Like that's how people dress now in a way. Like, yeah. 90s beats. I mean, Whenever I play basketball, I'm just trying to look like Wesley Snipes in that film. Yeah. <laughs> short shorts. Short shorts. Like, if I'm not wearing compression shorts, perhaps we have a problem. Shorts. <laughs> like, the, with the baggy tank tops, bicycle hats. Like, the, that, the whole aesthetic of that film. And really, that's where I picture myself being able to pull off the Reebok air pumps. Like, that's, that's the type of scenario. If I could dress like that. And the movie's just fun. It's it's Woody Harrelson at his prime. Like, if I've never seen that film and it comes out tomorrow, I'm buying pre-sale tickets. I'm I'm so in for that type of film, and it being about basketball and pickup ball and like it's just yeah, that's great. <laughs> Discuss. All right. Discuss. Yeah. Oh no. There's nothing. You've. There's nothing left. It's yeah. perfect. I was just, I was like giggling at how much I'm like, I feel like because of that movie, white dudes aren't allowed to wear anything else other than like the baseball cap backwards, like the Woody Harrelson outfit in White Man Can't Jump. Like that's our uniform now forever when we play b-ball. Yeah, he did kind of lock it in. Like we've got to wear socks with high tops. Yeah. I mean, 
I think in a in a lot of ways he also kind of if you're talking about the fashion of it he locked in like the only place where you can get funky is the shorts. Like you can have some yeah. you can have some crazy colors on your shorts, but the rest of it let's keep it let's keep it laced up. Yeah. But, I mean everything about that like the 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 fact that they're scamming people so it's kind of like it's kind of like Cool Hand Luke but it's basketball so it's cooler and it's it's more hip. And Rosie Perez is the love interest of Woody Harrelson and it's it's before anyone's really thought about her being annoying and she's bringing just like a just a bit like enough of like the the funny elements to the relationship stuff with with Woody Harrelson's character. I, it's a perfect film and I would love to see it now for the first time. Also because like let's face facts, it's a genuine plot even in today. Like we haven't evolved where it's it's still not a shock. Oh, like yeah. having a sharp shooting like guy that looks like a sort of a token like lawyer from Chicago. <laughs> That's still a thing you could hustle on the streets well, in LA. I've been him in a lot of scenarios where I definitely <laughs> show up looking like the dude that cannot play, but proof serviceable. <laughs> the, the uh, and I think the other part of it too, and like why I would specifically want that is that doesn't seem like the type of movie that gets made now. So if it were to come out now, it would be such a breath of fresh air just to have something that's, that's light and fun and built around kind of, you know, like just the story about the relationship between two guys. Like you, you have a yeah. like now it's a little bit tougher. I, you saw those, I think up through the two thousands and like when we were in college probably, but now they just don't get made as often or if they get made, they're not distributed widely enough to where we see them. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's like a light pal movie to it. Like, just let's leave out all of this and just keep it a simple, like, two dudes that actually like each other. It's just fun. Yeah. It's just a fun movie. Just sit down and enjoy it. And, you know, in great sequences. And I think it, as far as a lot of movies go, they execute the basketball portion of the shooting, like, yeah. really well. Like, you get the impression, like, these dudes can actually hoop a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's not the air up there with Kevin Bacon at all. <sighs> <laughs> also a movie I'd sign up to see tomorrow. <laughs> Despite like all of the weird like colonialist overtones that, that come with that film. Um Yeah, it's so dodge when you look back at it now. <laughs> I remember watching it like two years ago and it was just like, oh, this doesn't sit right with me at all. Like, <laughs> There's something here that doesn't drive. But even like blue chips, like Nick Nolte, like I love blue chips. But just the whole, like, shameless, like, we only really want you to succeed with your grades to serve my basketball team. <laughs> like, I mean, there's the clip where Nick Nolte's talking to Shaq, and Shaq's like, let's be real, coach. If I couldn't play basketball, you wouldn't be here. And he goes, you got a point. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? Neon Bedeau. If there's Boudreaux, one way Boudreaux. to make, if there's one way to make Shaq's name, like, that's as close as you can get to having an awesome name as Shaquille O'Neal for his type of basketball player. Is that? All right, AP. How about you, my man? So I've got a couple. I haven't landed on one. But I think I want, like, if I don't mention it, like, it's going to be, like, an, a, the biggest omission of all time. But Star Wars has to be brought back now. But yeah. not Star Wars 1, I specifically, like some of the Star Wars 1's just come out, but the Empire Strikes Back, the ending, like when when people first watched Empire Strikes Back and you find out that Darth Vader's Luke's dad and you're leaving the cinemas, that would have been like, holy sh, what, like that kind of shit doesn't happen anymore. 
Yeah. Well, people were just shocked. Um, so I think that would have been like a really cool thing to witness for the first time. Uh, but my actual one would be, I think I want Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon now because I get to refabric time and get like another 20 years of buddy cop films. Oh, that's a big payoff. So like I get, I get to witness all that. And like, like, yeah, I know there's a couple before it, but like Lethal Weapon is like, it is the one. It's the, yeah. yeah. And it means that like if Lethal Weapon comes out now, I've, oh, maybe not 20 years, I've got, a, I've got a great buffer of another five to 10 years of awesome buddy cop movies, which again, probably similar to the other movies we sort of mentioned, just don't get made now. Like yeah. Lethal Weapon buddy cop that's, that's stupid. Like there's bits in that don't make any sense. Um, they've got random bad guys. Like all these, all these little bits and pieces that is ridiculous. But it's just a fun movie that's like, yeah, I'm gonna watch that. Yeah, I'll watch the shit out of that. And think about just in general how many tropes move forward from the Lethal Weapon franchise. Like the the whole like I'm too old for this shit. Like I, that. <laughs> yeah. That that has been co-opted over and over and over in in so many films. I mean, think you're you're never getting that amazing episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where they try to remake Lethal Weapon. You don't get that with no Lethal Weapon. You you also get no other guys, which was a tremendously funny film. I loved that. That was good. Yeah. So you're right. Like it sets off a chain of events where if you have Lethal Weapon now, you're in you're in you're in business. Yeah, like movies are back. Also, anyone else now look back on that movie and realize that Mel Gibson might not have actually been acting if his role was to play a person on the edge that could have killed people at any point in time. I mean, <laughs> you mean Mel Gibson as Mel, Mel Gibson, Gibson <laughs> pretending to be <laughs> pretending to be Riggs. Yeah, you can, you might want to get this information out of me, but you're gonna have to torture me. <laughs> like, like South Park, Mel Gibson was that Mel Gibson who turned out to be the real Mel Gibson. Yeah, where where you realize, oh, like all of his acting ability comes from not actually acting. Like he's just he's yeah. just reciting words as himself. Yeah. yeah, he's unaware there's even a film crew there. He's just going about his day to day life, and someone's filming it. It's also satisfying because lo- if if Lethal Weapon comes out now, you also have that wave of people being like, "Wait, he's not from the states." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Look, I'm not, and I'm not even going to be cheeky and just say if Lethal Weapon comes out now, then we get Braveheart and like eight years and all the other ones. That's not, that's not the point of my choice. <laughs> no, it's the buddy um, cop payoff. Buddy cops, just buddy cops. We also get like, we also get was Lethal Weapon two the one with the South African yes bad guys the yes. weird like and the, it's been revoked and <laughs> that's right and that English actress playing a South African. What was her name? She dated Liam Gallagher from Oasis for a while. Yes. She was a terrible, that. terrible actress. And her accent would sort of go from like, oh, yes, mate, I know, to, oh, hello, governor. Like, it was just weird. It's a very hard accent to do. South Africa's tough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that uh, it's funny you mentioned that film, I think, because I saw like, on maybe it was like a GQ's Instagram or something one of those like silly dude Instagram pages and it came up in my feed and they done like the best buddy cops, like all the best like buddy movies of all time. And they had their top 10 countdown 
and they didn't have lethal weapon on there. And the top comment, like where, you know, every a few comments got like 25 likes. The top one that had like 7,000 was some guy that just wrote lethal weapon delete your account, don't ever come back here, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and it just had thousands of likes. Like, and it's so true. Like, it just birthed all of it. it an, an omission that's so insane that it almost feels like it had to be intentional just to get to get attract attention. Yeah. I also just realized another movie that doesn't exist without Lethal Weapon. I did cheat. I Googled it. Bad Boys. Ah. <sighs> Bad Boys doesn't exist without Lethal Weapon. That's true. Yeah. And the only thing more ridiculous than Bad Boys, Rush Hour. <laughs> I love Rush Hour, but Rush Hour is just... Rush Hour is probably the last one, to be honest. Do do we get... Do we get the... Is it Die Hard 4 that has Sam Jackson in it? Die Hard no, that's 3. 3. Well, we don't get that. I yeah. Don't think. I think that's a direct like rip-off yeah. of the Lethal Weapon concept. Yes. That angry African-American gentleman that is annoyed at the hot-headed white guy Who, that's who's, dragged who's him into this shit. The, yeah, the, who's older than the... Yeah, exactly, exactly. So but in, he's also, that but he's also the taxi driver. Yeah, he's not a cop, but yeah. everything else from the relational dynamic is hijacked. Yeah, and everything is always, how did you drag me into this shit? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I was if, just finishing my shift. Yeah, very, if one character very thinly is, robbed, yeah. yes. Yeah, if one character is not like really efficient at their job and the other one is not absolutely put out by it, it's not a good buddy cop movie. <laughs> no, I need that. I need it. You know, like the other guys, Will Ferrell is like super methodical and organized and Mark Wahlberg is absolutely put off by that fact. Buzzsaw. An absolute buzzsaw. Yeah. Even Rush Hour, like Jackie Chan is an amazing cop and super efficient. Chris Tucker is absolutely annoyed and put off by that. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't really have any honourable mentions for this one because it's a deep, dark pit that we could be here for many, many an hour. Honourable yep, mentions would take a better part of, of this year. Yeah. What more do you want from that, Chance? So I think we've encapsulated the 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 spirit of the loose fa- framework I handed out. Yeah. Can I can I quickly before we wrap up throw in one other only because I know we talked about some wrestling stuff. I would love to sit now and watch wrestling, but combat stuff, like broadcast and the news isn't sharp enough yet. So I don't know wrestling's fake yet. So I'm like those people watching WrestleMania when Hulk Hogan lifted Andre the Giant and dropped him who genuinely thought that's a real fight still. In. So I'm about that. Like I'm watching wrestling where I'm still convinced that a steel chair has just been like crushed across someone's skull and they're real paramedics running to the ring. So basically you want the traumas of your life to have been whisked away and you can blissfully sit there on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Like, I want to be able to watch wrestling, and I don't at all go, you know what? I think Randy the Macho Man Savage should probably lay off the roids. I don't want to have that thought. <laughs> or, like, that it never comes to your mind. You're like, I feel like there's a more functional outfit to do this in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's perfectly normal to wear a giant red outfit and call yourself Kane and cover your face up. Okay. 
sure is a lot of um, rhinestones on those boots. I don't know if that's, <laughs> I don't know if that's, you know, <laughs> yeah. needed. The honky, or... tonk, the honky tonk man definitely isn't a failed Elvis impersonator that just couldn't get a gig in Vegas and decided to <laughs> wrestle instead. <laughs> you know, I want all of that. Yeah, to be able to watch wrestling with wide-eyed childlike wonderment would be would be satisfying. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that guy, mankind, he definitely could submit that man just by putting a dirty gym sock in their mouth. <laughs> I mean, I think about the the stink face with Rikishi. Is anybody? We got a Rikishi fans in here. <gasps> yes, a finishing move where he literally just runs from the other side and puts his ass in the other man's face and, and like motorboats him with his butt cheeks yeah. as a finisher. I want to be able to it's watch that absolute. and think that's for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, Oh man, can you imagine? Ah, oh, you would die from that. Devastating. He can't breathe it there. Yeah. Or to be able to watch wrestling and go, this is genuinely an employee of the McMahon family who's like controlling wrestling and Vince McMahon can't do anything about Stone Cold because he's a rebel. Like to genuinely believe that like he just bashed him and forced him to sign paperwork and gave ownership over to Stone Cold. You know, like every third week, Vince is like being attacked and being forced to like sell the company. Yeah, being in a place where you could legitimately believe that you could attack your boss as he's recovering from surgery and bash his head with a bedpan and that doesn't result in you being fired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could never get fired. I want to be able to watch wrestling just like that. I was really startled when I walked in my boss's office and it didn't work like that. <laughs> <laughs> You've been conditioned a certain way. <laughs> Where are your spreadsheets and what are you doing with that bedpan? Shh. <laughs> also how come you don't have a daughter who wants to get back at you and will marry me so we can now run the company because <laughs> that's how that uh, works oh dear jonah thank you very much my man my absolute pleasure thanks so much for having me congratulations the on rest 50. of world congratulations on 50 it's been a journey ap how do you feel uh good relieved exotic <laughs> all these all these different phrases that Ex don't necessarily make sense exotic yeah we made 50 that's in a that's in a plethora of very few people that's rare that's, air. that's the air up there well folks thank you very much for for loving us and giving us support uh we're going to take a little bit of a hiatus so we're wrapping up season two we thought 50 is a good way to do a pause but mostly because we're getting smashed so much at work that the two of us are dying a little bit inside <laughs> but, um, we thank you all so much for your support we love you to bits we'll be back soon enough um jonah thanks again my man always a pleasure no it's it's been cool to be along for the ride it's been enjoying all the content so thanks to you guys we look no, forward thanks, to a, we look forward to appearing in a sort of deposition where we're suing pitbull for <laughs> copyright infringement of mr worldwide backing you in as the real <laughs> mr worldwide that's going to end up being problematic because i did go as pitbull for halloween before so there's there's <laughs> there's pictures of me directly appropriating his his copyright material <laughs> for but, sure yeah but if we fudge the date to make it seem like he saw that photo of you and that's where he got his inspiration <laughs> there, for his character from countersuit Bang. Exactly. Counter suit. <laughs> we hey look, at the end of the day, we don't have enough to beat him in court. We just want to settle out of court, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
That's what it's all about. The settle out of court. AP, thanks, my man. No, thank you, Cordo. Thanks again, Jonah. Yep. Folks, we'll see you again soon. Sidelines.com.au, the Sidelines podcast at Sidelines Media. You can find us anywhere. We love you all. Like a fat kid. Signing out.